Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today we're going to be talking about recruitment, but not your typical recruitment. Jason Byrne, he is the founder and CEO of Icon IQ, based out of Calgary, Alberta, and they're doing some really cool stuff. But before we get into that, I just want to welcome you to the show, Jason. How are you doing? Thanks, Lance. I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Really great. And thank you so much for taking the time today to join us and share your story. But before we get into the background of your business, tell me a little bit about your thoughts around what are three things that every entrepreneur needs to know. Yeah, I think that that's a really important question for people, especially those who are, you know, current entrepreneurs or maybe considering becoming an entrepreneur. Um, and these can change a little bit depending on what I would share might change depending on my day. But uh, I think the first to remember as an entrepreneur is that you're, you're not alone. I mean, the, the challenges and the successes that you're going to face are shared across you know, the entrepreneur spectrum. Um, and so that's important to remember. So having entrepreneurs that you can open up with, learn from, confide in is really important, having that, support, having that network. Um, the second thing related to the first is it can be really difficult. It can be hard. And again, you're not alone, so that network is important. And the last piece, and this is what I think you need to remember, and also I would say a key differentiator uh, between you know a, a successful entrepreneur that you're going to read about and one that you don't, and that's you have to keep pushing. When you have, have when you think that you've reached the end and you're about to give up, don't because right around the corner is the next big win, the next big success that is going to give you that inspiration and motivation to keep going. Yeah, you know, and it, that's a really a great point that you make there at the end there because uh, one of the things that always motivates me at times when those days are the darkest of days, right? And you're thinking like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Um, oftentimes what continues to drive me forward is this, well, if I quit now, what 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 would it have been like like right like am i quitting too soon could it have been something bigger and stuff and so there's always that fear of what it could be that keeps me uh you know kind of driving forward even more and i don't know if that's common amongst entrepreneurs i've never actually really talked to anybody about that uh, it, where do you get your drive to get you know to push through those really difficult times yeah i think it's it's just working towards we as entrepreneurs you need to have a vision and in that vision yeah isn't static. It's, it, it, it's dynamic and there might be small changes or big changes depending on what's going on, but you're always moving towards that vision. So for me, that's really providing that motivation, that inspiration to keep going, that I'm, I'm wanting to achieve this thing for myself, for my team, for my family, for the legacy of the company. And so those are the things that you know, when I'm having a difficult day for whatever reason, th that, those are some of the things that I reflect on looking at that legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, uh, the other thing I would think for myself when I was just reflecting on it as you were talking is it's utter stubbornness actually on my part. <laughs> I just won't give up. Like I don't want to give up. That was one of the, the big motivators for me too. I think getting through some of the difficult points. Now, now let's talk about your business though. So mm. Icon IQ has been around in a couple different forms for a number of years now. So tell us, uh, what is it that you're doing over at Icon IQ and, uh, and maybe where did it all begin? Yeah, so maybe it, I can start at, at the beginning. So Jobs Alberta um, emerged in uh, 2015, uh, focused on helping Alberta-based businesses solve labor shortage issues 
by accessing a global talent pool and using Canadian immigration programs to bring people in to help solve that. And so, you know, the, the quick service restaurant is an example, hotels, um, construction workers, um, machinists, agricultural workers. These are all examples of, you know, the types of the people and programs that we were using um, pre-pandemic. I'll say, and, and that that's an, an, an important uh, consideration here as well. So that's what we were doing for the first really four years of, of our life as Jobs Alberta. Hmm. And then from there, you guys evolved. Yeah, and I think that that's that's one of the things that kind of led to you and I speaking today, and you know, just reflecting on resilience and transformation, and you know, continuing to push. So. Um, you know, when, when business is going well, you probably don't closely examine your business um, as hard as you need to. And, and what I mean by that is where are, you know, that, that traditional SWOT analysis is an, exa- is an example, looking for weaknesses um, or threats. And although the pandemic was a black swan event, obviously um, our business, which were really rely on the mobility of people, um, effectively went to, to zero in a matter of a couple of months when, when COVID really ramped up in March of, of 2020. So um, we worked really hard to, um, you know, make all, all of our stakeholders, um, the companies who we were working with, as well as candidates on the other side, whole. Um, that was important for us because our integrity really matters and it's one of our values. Um, but it, again, during this period of time, we, we, we really had to think hard about what is the future of our business going to look like? You know, do we want to keep going? We have to pause what we're doing. Absolutely. But do we want to keep going down the same path? Do we want to scrap the business altogether? Or is there some sort of detour in between that can really leverage and harness what we know how to do and what we're good at? So we going through this, and I think this is also valuable for, for entrepreneurs to hear. Um, we had a couple of false starts in, you know, what we're doing now with Icona and Q is, 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 was, was not our first, our first idea or second idea, um, during, during the pandemic with our relaunch. Um, but it was something that had always lived in the back of my head is a great opportunity. And so m- maybe I'll share what that opportunity is and, and what we do now. So I- I- Icon IQ is a recruiting company uh, that specializes in sourcing senior technical talent. So think a developer, an engineer, a data scientist, a product manager from Latin America for Alberta-based businesses. So in the same way that we were identifying working with Alberta-based businesses or Canadian-based companies and helping them solve their talent issues, we really migrated what we knew how to do in a very specialized area, working exclusively with companies who require senior tech talent. And and how we got there, and this is, I I think, for a lot of, you know, burgeoning entrepreneurs or or founders, figuring out, you know, what you have an interest in, a passion about, maybe what you want to pursue. We took a look at, you know, where the labor trends, what labor trends really stood out for us in in the province specifically, so Calgary and Edmonton. And tech was one that just kept hitting us in the face. You know, there's an opportunity in technology. Technology companies are starving for good talent. So we went out and we had a number of great conversations with all sizes of tech companies, even companies who hadn't even, uh, you know, launched a business yet to large enterprises. What are the common challenges you face in being able to recruit and hire great people? And it was a consistent theme. So we thought, okay, when you can't find what you need locally, where do you go? 
you broaden the search, you go national, then you go international. And even, even the feedback in that is, you know, there are time zone, if it's a remote candidate, time zones can be a challenge. English language can be a challenge. Um, educa educational credentials, experience, proficiency can be a challenge. So we wanted to really find a way that could address all of those issues. And where we landed was Latin America is a very, very talent rich region, especially Mexico, Brazil, and Colombia, and a couple of others. And so we, we thought let's, let's launch a recruiting business around doing that. And so we have a recruiting team now in Mexico that specializes in their, their Latin American knowledge of, you know, the tech talent, the unicorns that, that may exist in, in Latin America, the educational institutions that matter. And one more piece about, um, in Latin America is that Guadalajara, Monterrey, Mexico City, other, other, in other countries in Latin America have very established tech ecosystems. Again, just, you know, contributing to that very, very rich talent pool. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Lance, to, to wrap this up. Um, that's where we went and we went, we went deep. You know, we decided this is, this is where we're going. There's a need for it and launched, relaunched our business really about 18 months ago with that new strategy under the brand, our, under our legacy brand, Jobs Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so if I'm hearing it right, you started the business um, back in 2015, right? As Jobs Alberta. And you're really just focused on bringing in workers who are going to be working maybe the, you know, the more manual labor almost type yep. jobs, not a lot of, uh, a lot of higher education required jobs. And yep. then the pandemic hit, the borders get closed. You can't bring those people in anymore. Uh, even though there's probably still demand here, but it's just isn't going to work. And so then you need to find a different way to keep the doors open and to serve uh, businesses. And so then you started to look at the opportunities that were there, the trends. Tech is a is a hot bed of activity, and it's not uh, confined to physical the physicalness of the other industries that you were doing. And so you were able then to remote these workers in, um, and Latin America was where you were really targeting and developing that network of uh, of highly skilled technical workers. Um, and and now you're serving the tech industry exclusively. Is that right? That's exactly right. And so what's, what's been great though, is we're now seeing those remote arrangements that we had established during the pandemic. Those people are now migrating and immigrating into Alberta to become co-located shoulder to shoulder with those tech companies. And that's really powerful for a couple of reasons. I mean, you're, you're changing lives in the, in Mexico, we can just talk maybe. They're, they're going through some difficult um, challenges right now with the, the cartels and the government. So safety is, is a common concern for a lot of Latin Americans. And so the opportunity to, to relocate to a country like Canada, a city like Edmonton or, or Calgary is life changing. So that's really, really powerful. The second is on the broader ecosystem where we're able to help grow the talent pool and, and really work at a more permanent fix and the sustainability of the, the tech sector growth in the province. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, obviously you're serving a, a critical um, a segment of the market that has just been really struggling, like you said, to get that talent. And so um, it's really interesting, you know, the evolution. And, and so would you say that where you're at today is a better business model 
than what it was pre-pandemic? I, I would say I, I would say yes, it's a better model. I, I think that in, in being, you know, having the ability to have a remote worker, you know, solve some of those cross-border issues, absolutely. I, I think one of my learnings uh, around transforming our business the way we have is specialization. Um, specialization has really served us well, where we have gone incredibly deep, very narrowly doing something. And that has helped us become, you know, really grow our expertise and be known for this. So I would say that that that's one of the important learnings for me is that and you hear about this in business, obviously, but that has been, I would say, this is my testimonial for us that specialization has led to us being more successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can see that because before you were dealing with so many different industries, right? And mm-hmm. so sure the, the, the market might've been bigger, um, but in terms of just the breadth of it, mm-hmm. but in terms of the number of workers and, and then probably also because you're dealing with more skilled workers, your rates are probably a little bit different. I would think that there's a little bit more of a premium uh, per engagement that you have now mm-hmm. than what it was before. And so it's it's kind of maybe being smarter with the resources that you have too and, and extracting a greater profitability for the effort uh, that you're putting into that recruitment process, right? Yeah, I think that, that all of that is definitely true. And there's also, there's personally, I mean, there's something exciting about and not to say that these other industries aren't exciting and there are, you know, incredible business owners and people, but there's, there's something new and you know, exciting about technology. And it's a nascent yeah. industry in, in Alberta, really. I mean, there are, you know, very established tech companies, of course, but it's got a lot of momentum now and this momentum is newer. So we're, we're really kind of, we're riding that wave of enthusiasm. And so again, back to an earlier comment about legacy, I'm going to, I'll look back when I retire and I'll, and I'll, I'll reflect on, wow, you know, we worked with so many startups who have been able to exit for 300 million, $3 billion, whatever it is, and have been part, you know, we have, we have helped help them succeed by finding them great people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Right. To have that, uh, as part of your legacy, the ability to to help those organizations achieve the success that they're destined to have. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have the people, it's pretty tough. And it's so driven by that uh, in this space where it's so hyper competitive, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, us, us Edmonton companies are competing against or Alberta based companies are competing against Silicon Valley and, and Texas and, and in other places globally as well, right? The tech talent is such a global, um, mm-hmm. I was going to say commodity. Commodity isn't quite the right word because uh, that that does make it sound a little. It cheapens it a little bit. But but it's it's really uh, such a high demand sector of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely a portability uh, with the talent where you know working remote from anywhere, and that works both ways. As much as we're talking about you know helping an Edmonton based company find a great full stack developer in Colombia. It goes the other way. There are a number of very qualified and capable people in Edmonton who are serving European tech companies, American tech companies from, yeah. you know, the, the the comfort of their condo on 104th. So it, it really goes both ways. And so, I mean, I, I think that, um, I, I might even suggest that 
some companies in Alberta, they're, they're lagging a little bit with that awareness. And I mean, they need to really view their talent pool as global if they want to be competitive. And, and again, the desirability of relocating to Alberta and Canada is so, so strong. So it's not just a, a remote arrangement forever. It can be a relocation into Edmonton or, or elsewhere in Canada right away. Yeah. You know, and that is an interesting thing where I think it's difficult sometimes for us to wrap our head around anybody who would want to, especially at this time of year, we're recording this in January, anybody who would want to immigrate from a warm country <laughs> into Canada. But it, it is the safety safety concerns for sure and the opportunity for a better better life for, for those families, right? And so it is definitely uh, an appealing place to attract people for certain uh, particular reasons. And so um, but anyway, instead of getting into that, I, I'd love to just talk a little bit about the rebrand that you did as well. So you, um, you know, pivoted the business because of mm -hmm. the, the the situation with the pandemic, which disrupted your model. Um, and then at, during that pivot, you decided to change the name of the company as well. Mm -hmm. Walk me through that decision um, and um, and what made you decide, yeah, really, like why that was necessary through this pivot. Yeah, I mean, we were we were lucky in that the, the the demand the market was so hungry for a solution like ours that out of the gate we had early success, um, and so that that was fantastic for for us to experience and that you know that product market fit we had you know gotten close to what we thought the market wanted and and they were were buying it which was very gratifying, um, but we. We were challenged with scaling it. Um, and we were challenged with scaling it because Jobs Alberta is a, is a great brand, but it didn't represent who we, who we became and what we were doing. So there was a disconnect between Jobs Alberta and us being a tech recruiter, sourcing talent from Latin America and relocating them to Canada. So we really, we realized that that became a challenge, especially when we were trying to market, even for Alberta based businesses, it was a challenge, but it became very difficult to market to prospective customers outside of the province because yeah. they would see jobs Alberta and not understand any relevance to them. Yeah. So we, we began seeing these roadblocks early on and started, you know, running through a list of, you know, should we rebrand? Should we not rebrand? If we are, how are we going to do that? What is that going to look like? And we also ultimately made the decision to, to rebrand and um, that, that in itself, I mean, the, the name iteration, and I, I chuckle looking back on this story, but my business partner would text me almost every day with a new suggestion. And yeah. he sent me, I'm going to say 30 suggestions. And the 31st suggestion, I said yes, and that is Icon IQ. I didn't sometimes, and, and this might be, you know, back to the, the first question on three three recommendations. I mean, there's there's a lot of science and research that goes into business, but sometimes there's a gut feeling too. And, yep. you know, if you don't have it, the science to support it or you're struggling to make a decision, rely on your gut because that instinct is going to serve you not only in identifying a new business name, but in very critical decisions that you have to make for your business throughout its life. Yeah. So we, we decided on Icon IQ um, and then we, you know, it's really going through identifying, um, you know, 
what we were looking for in a marketing agency to help us with, with that rebrand. And so it's the name and they, they took us through a naming exercise as well, even though my heart was set on icon IQ and you would have to rip that from my cold dead fingers. Um, nothing could dissuade me from icon IQ, which is again, stubbornness and maybe the trait of an entrepreneur. But, um, so we went through that, you know, the, the, the brand exercise on the language, the colors, the logo, you know, what tone do we have as a brand? Um, so working through that entire exercise and, you know, I, and Lance, you, you know, this better than me, but it, it needs to be really collaborative. It needs yeah. to be, you need, you, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, something that the whole company has to be involved with, or at least very much the senior, uh, suite completely. And, and yeah, it's, it's difficult. Naming uh, a company is difficult. Rebranding a company can be even more difficult, uh, at times because you have all those legacy ideas and legacy, um, emotions that are tied to what was right. And so it it can be tricky navigating through that. And so you guys engaged a company to help you, help you do that. And, and you landed on yep. Icon IQ. And so when it comes to the process that you went through, um, mm -hmm. what do you feel was the most challenging part about that besides like landing on the actual name, but, uh, in terms of that whole process, cause I know there's a lot of people who are probably listening to this going, yeah, I've thought about rebranding as well, but it just seems like such a burden or, or something that I just don't want to take on at this point. So, um, tell us a little bit about the challenges and how you overcome those in the, in the process. Yeah, I, I think that first, the realization that our brand, our legacy brand, every day that we didn't change our name, it was costing us money. It was literally yeah. costing us money. So we, we recognized that we needed to make a change and rebranding is a significant investment, financial, time, your energy. Um, so it, it's a big undertaking, but for us, it was an absolute necessity and it was absolutely the right thing to do looking back. Um, so some of the most challenging aspects about it, or, or maybe a learning along the way was, you know, you have, sometimes entrepreneurs can be perfectionists around certain things. And I think that that's, that's a good trait, but it reaches a point where it's probably good enough. You know, the average person that you, you know, you've worked really hard and you've provided, you know, you're on V10 of your logo with the marketing agency and they're just pulling their hair out. Like it's not any different. No one's going to notice. So I, I think that at some point you just have to move on with things like that. Just say, Hey, this is, this is going to be good enough and you can change it. Time is always against you, especially if you have a, a business that's a going concern. So the longer for us that we weren't rebranding, launching our new brand, it was costing us money. So we needed to then, I learned that I needed to make decisions faster and trust the expertise of the marketing agency. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that coming from the other side, being the marketing agency that is helping businesses with this, because <laughs> that, that can be uh, a difficult thing uh, for us on this side of the table, for sure. And we know how important it is for businesses. You know, you have to get this right. And so there's a lot of pressure on us as well. But at the same time, yeah, like we're the experts uh, in this. This is what you're paying us to do. And so uh, there definitely needs to be that trust. And so I'm glad to hear that uh, whoever you were working with uh, was able to earn that trust early on so that it did simplify the process a little bit better for you guys and at least get to an end point where you weren't 
uh, creating too much friction along the way that was really slowing that process down. Because that's the other thing that can be really painful for an organization mm -hmm. is the length of time that it can sometimes take, right? It, it can really draw out and you kind of almost have to put the business, a lot of the business and marketing oriented things on hold while you're doing that, because it's like, well, why, why are we creating more assets in the old brand? And until we've got the new brand done, we maybe we just need to just focus our energy on that. And so it can kind of uh, stagnate the, the business almost a little bit too. I, I think I, I refer to it as rebranding purgatory, where yeah. <laughs> you're you're exactly right. Where we weren't prepared, you know, we turn off Google Ads. We turned off a lot of our advertising because we knew that okay, like why are we why are we perpetuating this brand that we know is collapsing in three or four months? So that made it really in, in the reinvestment in you know the the marketing collateral that we were using. So. It's very difficult because, not, and again, it just speaks to the opportunity cost of, okay, so there's the, there's the financial investment, there's your time, your team's time and the, being collaborative. I think that was actually very, very important, bringing them on board. You know, who are we? What are our values? You know, let's revisit that. Do these colors, do we believe that they represent what we're doing and who we are? Um, but yeah. there are, so that, that opportunity cost of, of really kind of holding back on investing on your old brand is definitely relevant. Yeah, yeah, completely. So now you have spent 2022 really doing a lot of shifting with regard to the business model itself and really refining this direction that you were taking in terms of specializing in the tech sector. Um, and then obviously through the rebrand and repositioning the company. Um, what, I, I guess, do you feel, uh, you know, looking back on that, was the, I guess, um, most critical element to your future success. So, and, and how are you going to leverage that now or propel the business forward? What's the plan now to take that investment and really now grow? Because I'd imagine through that process, again, that purgatory that you're talking about and, and everything else, it's just you're, you're investing a lot as opposed to reaping the rewards. This is the year to reap those rewards. So how are you going to do that best? Yeah, and I think that this is important for, for entrepreneurs as well. So last year was a year of investment, a year of rebuilding, a year of being strategic. And I think that, you know, be, because of that, um, we didn't necessarily have as many, you know, those short-term financial wins that you can really rally around as a team. And as, as much as it's important to the business to operate, your your team members, you know, and for us in recruiting, you know, when you when you're able to place that candidate, you know, that's something that you celebrate. And when you, you know, the goal is to do more, more of those. And, you know, when you're you're lagging behind your targets, that can be difficult on, on the team. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, I needed to reflect and I, I really, you know, shared this with the team and had encouraged them to reflect this way as well. Like we did amazing work last year like what we accomplished as a company internally is incredible look at the evolution over the last 12 months look at what you've achieved look at what we've been able to do so 20 2022 was 
a rebuilding year and we have we've got a really we're ready for that tornado you know we've got we've got a really solid foundation and so we're now going to leverage all of the the great things that we were doing last year all of that hard work and we needed to do those things and now for our you know our marketing our business development our advertising our sales process for you know onboarding our search process for finding candidates all of these aspects we have really dialed in now so we are we're excited about 2023 we've got all the tools we've got the right people so we're 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 excited for and we're we're expecting a really strong year so now just getting really real here with yeah. with us for a moment uh because i when i think back to where you're saying okay so the pandemic really just shut down our business and then mm-hmm. we had to do some iterations uh, since then we've landed here now, but it's been a journey. And then like last year being quite the rebuild year. And so it's been a, I wouldn't, I'm guessing a few years of pretty lean uh, revenues and, and, and yet lots of investment as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Um, how are you managing through that? Like, how are you keeping the lights on? Um, how do you, uh, you know, really hold on to that business and the vision that you had through those periods of time where, you know, things are, you know, there's money going out the door and maybe not as much mm-hmm. as what you'd like coming in the, in the other side. Yeah. I, I, it's really, this is one of those kind of isolating, <laughs> isolating experiences. Um, yeah. I'm very lucky in that I have um, a fantastic business partner. And so he's, he's there for me. Um, and he's, He's a business partner, but he's not operationally involved in the business. So he's there as an, in an, as an advisor, as a counselor, as an investor. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky in that I have him. So not, not everyone has a business partner, but, but he's been central to, to us moving forward. Um, the, yeah. the, the second thing is going to be, um, you know, for me, my, my spouse, my wife is, you know, she, she has it, she works. Um, and so you, we have a bit of a buffer built in to, okay, you know, we can, we can work through some lean times, um, yeah. you know, and she's very supportive. So I think having a supportive partner is, inc- and, and be open with, be open with them. If you're not open with them, cause it's stressful <laughs> and yeah. you're probably, you know, at, when you get home, you're burned out, you're not at your best. And if you're not open with them. It, it might be very challenging in your relationship. So be open, transparent, have a supportive spouse. I'm lucky I do. Um, yeah. The third piece is, you know, your ego, I think. And for mm-hmm. me, so it's being comfortable with the fact that, and, and I, I say this to myself that, you know, I get paid last. If, yeah. you know, we have, we have our team, they're working hard and they're an employee. They need to be compensated for what they're doing. As an owner, I, I take the risk. And then on the other side, then there's that reward at the end. So, um, I think for my ego, it's okay. You know what? Yeah. Like the, the allure and the, uh, of being a successful entrepreneur, but behind the scenes, yeah, very, very lean times. And those, you just, I think you have to be prepared for them. I'm going to say emotionally, but financially as well. So for anyone thinking of starting a business, do you have, you know, the financial runway to support the growth of your business, but also provide for, for your, your own life and your families if you have one? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so difficult. I mean, regardless of whether you're in a situation like like what you're you were found yourself in where the business really 
you know, gets shut down because of the pandemic or some other event that happens. So it's a real slowdown in the business or what we experienced through COVID, the, the initial part of COVID uh, really shut us down as well. And then, uh, you know, three, four months in, then things really started to pick up. And then we've grown actually lots through that time. Um, and, um, and, and it's been the growth actually that has been the most um, problematic thing for us from a profitability standpoint. And so we have lots of revenue coming in the door with lots of new business coming in the door, but the team to support that has to mm -hmm. grow because we're in the ser service space, right? So it's all about the people. Um, that's our capacity and, and similar to what it will be with you as well. And so um, that has actually been the, the thing that's been really um, stressing me out and has created like 2022 was an extremely lean year from uh, a profitability standpoint, one of my leanest years to date, even though we've had the greatest success that we've ever had, you know, we've grown the most that we've ever had. And so it is such a tricky thing. So it doesn't really matter in a way what stage you're at, it's about really trying to be uh, thoughtful and really strategic about how you grow or how you pivot or how you add on new services or change the business model or whatever the case might be. Um, it's been it's been interesting anyway. So I can totally relate to you in terms of the the uh, the leanness of 2022. <laughs> Lance, can I play interviewer for one one question? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So 2022, you know, exceptional growth for revenue, profitability, your margins were, were, were lower. Had you planned, had you been building towards and planned on your growth last year? Um, so yes and no. So that's a, um, I can't say completely because we didn't, know exactly what direction our growth was going to go like or sorry how much of that growth so mm -hmm. i was planning on um x amount of growth and we started to build towards that and, and build some infrastructure to achieve those growth on the sales and marketing side of our own business and uh what ended up happening is that that exceeded and we had a hard mm -hmm. time putting the brakes on it and allowing us to grow in a little bit more methodical way. And so mm -hmm. where I got caught uh, up was just on the, the, just the growth. It's like, yeah, more, right? Like this is, this is what every business wants. We all want to, to have these growing successful businesses, but success doesn't always mean, or growth doesn't always mean success. Uh, it can put too many strains on things. And so for us, where our biggest strain came from was, on the systems, we got to a point where our mm. systems started to break because our systems were um, were worked well uh, for a company of a certain size. And then once we got beyond that, uh, then we started to see some cracks in those systems or breakage there. And mm -hmm. then we started to see some inefficiencies. And, and then that's where then the profitability really starts to take a, a hit. And so you start to try to plug the dam, so to speak, the, the leaks mm -hmm. in the dam with more people, and that's a cost. And, and mm -hmm. so those costly uh, pieces, we needed to have then even more growth to take on those. And yep. so then it becomes this vicious cycle, right? Yeah, I, I think that companies, they sometimes find a healthy equilibrium and yeah. of, of the ratio of, of people to revenue, whatever, whatever metrics that you're, you're guided by. And to grow a company by, you know, 30% or 
you actually, you're going to, you have to make that investment. So the investment will have to lead beyond the expected revenue for a period or the, the, the actual revenue for a period of time in order to hit that expected revenue. And I think that that can be really, it's difficult for an entrepreneur. You have to be ready for it because that profitability has maybe decreased or it looks a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and so for us, and this was the thing that, uh, that as companies grow, so we grew from a, a 12 person company to like a 25 person company in a year, right? And so, um, so significant growth in terms of percentage, um, you know, over a hundred percent, but, uh, but not, uh, significant in terms of like total headcount. When you talk about, you know, some of these other companies that will be adding, you know, a hundred people or 200 mm -hmm. people or whatever the case might be, right? The scales are, are, are different. But in terms of percentage, it, it was definitely a lot. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, you know, when I analyzed the growth or was planning the growth, I was looking at our cost uh, for, you know, per unit of deliverable that we were delivering in terms of our marketing sure. services. Right. And um, what was missing in those calculations was the overhead, um, the extra management layer and stuff, which I was anticipating some of that, but not quite as much. And then, like I said, some of the inefficiencies. And so we just didn't have quite as much um, our, our ratio of HR cost to um, deliver each unit of product was was growing uh, faster mm -hmm. than what I had anticipated. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I was still doing the planning. I was still doing the estimating. Just yeah, my numbers yeah. were a little off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which happens, right? We we always run into those uh, situations. And so now the big focus has been uh, for the last six months has been really about just trying to refine those systems and, and find the the efficiencies and make sure that we can keep our costs under control. And uh, so kind of similar to where you're at, mm -hmm. I think, in the way that you were talking, where it's like, okay, so we've we we know what we're doing. We've got done all this work, all this planning, all the strategy, all the development pieces. Now we have the foundation for growth. And now we, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of let's let's turn it on uh, coming into the new year, right? Let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in terms of, uh, I, I'm curious, um, what do you think is going to, uh, you know, be the, the easy, like what's easier now that you've gone through that whole process um, uh, and gone through, you know, the cycle of having, uh, jobs, Alberta and the things you learned there. And now that you've redone and invest all this work, what do you think is going to be easier now for you to achieve that growth than what it would have been, uh, back in the early days, say of, of jobs, Alberta, even. Yeah. I, I think that every, every day as an entrepreneur, there's an amazing learning opportunity, uh, first of all. And, you know, you just, you, you, you layer on all of this experience and hopefully you remember it when you're, you know, presented with a material decision. Um, I, I, I think that because we were, you know, 2022 was so devoted to refining what we do, Really, you know, getting into some of the market, you know, marketing terminology, demographic, psychographic, geographic information for our customer. Like, who are we selling to? And so we've been able to really better understand what we do, who we are, uh, who our customer is, and then the, the, the processes and operations underpinning all of it. So because we were slower last year, it provide us, provided us with more opportunity to really build out a more resilient, a more thoughtful and resilient system 
for our business so that when we're, you know, in these are best guesses in, in business, but, you know, we're trying to hit X number of, you know, uh, business this year, X number of revenue. Um, we believe that, you know, within our current system that we can do that and we need to add new people here or over here once we hit these new thresholds. So again, it's, you learn along the way and these projections are probably off by a little bit or a lot, who knows? Um, but we're at least prepared. We're prepared for the storm. And I say that very positively. The storm of, you know, our awareness of who we are and what we do grow, trust that we can deliver it and then connecting with those people. Yeah. Yeah. So now if, if you could go back in time to your younger entrepreneurial self and write that, that young entrepreneur, young Jason, a letter, what would be in that letter? I think that's a, that's a, a really great question for me. It, it might be a little bit different and, and I'll just share why prior to becoming an entrepreneur, I was, you know, I went the career route. I, I joined a large finance financial institution. Um, I worked there for 12 years in a number of different positions, business units. And so I, I think that advice that I would give any, any young person is, you know, be very curious, be open-minded, look for trends, um, and, and really consider the things that make, that, that make you happy, that you find fulfillment through, not what your friends are doing, not what people you follow on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram are doing, but really understand the types of things that you enjoy doing. And there is a type of entrepreneurial pursuit for a million different types of businesses, serving different types of people. So I would say that that don't get caught up with what other people are doing. Be really curious. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. And the first time, so we've done 200 plus interviews now uh, with entrepreneurs. And that's the first time that uh, has ever been brought up. And, and I, I really, really like that one, Jason. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that our listeners did as well. If one, one of them wanted to connect with you, either to you know have you do some work for them or just to connect and talk about entrepreneurship and your journey, um, is there a way that's best for them to do that? Absolutely. You can reach me through LinkedIn. And so it's uh, Jason Byrne and the last name is spelled B-Y-R-N-E. And yeah, welcome any conversation. I love talking to people curious about business, entrepreneurs, and especially as Lance said, if you're looking for great tech talent, I'm here for you. Yeah, completely. Well, thank you again. And for those of you who are listening, if you enjoyed this episode and want to check out the rest of our episodes, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find an archive of all of our past episodes or future episodes will there be there as well, obviously. And when it comes to just the audio version, just search us up on your favorite podcasting platform uh, by searching Amplify Your Business and you should be able to find us there. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you once again, Jason. Really appreciate it.